Alrighty, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary, your podcast that is chronically late. Uh, no, well, yes, <laughs> but also your podcast that is all about rich people and the stupid stuff that they have bought or done through the ages. Because as long as rich people have existed, they have been doing stupid, stupid stuff with their money. I'm your host, Haley, and over there is my co-host, Stephen. Hey, Gilded Gang. Ooh, the energy. The energy with that. Yes. <laughs> yes, the Gilded Gang. Ah. You sound like you weren't dying of the flu after you had COVID. <laughs> you have been struck down with all of the illnesses, and we just sort of immediately broke our New Year's promise of releasing on the 15th. I don't blame you, though. I just feel bad that you've been struck down with illness. Well, feeling better, buddy? Uh, I am feeling better. And, of course, uh, I mean, you're familiar with a series of unfortunate events obviously i'm literally jim carrey (laughs) in that movie not that i am like an antagonist and that you were consistently changing uh outfits Uh, yes yes but swap outfits for diseases oh that's no (laughs) that should not be what we're aiming for here (laughs) that's literally my life the last three or four weeks so but no i'm uh i'm fully healed um all rested up um yeah it's it's been it's been a crazy last several weeks um obviously for a multitude of reasons many of the reasons uh like we're all facing right now with um the fact that i'm i'm at the point where i will almost literally do anything for a gallon of gas like i mean there's at this point there's buddy you live in oklahoma and you ain't talking to the right person for my (laughs) pity (laughs) okay listen 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 miss west coast um I, I get it. I, I do. I understand. I do. But still, still. No, you do have my pity. Gas is fucking awful everywhere. I just want to point out that I had to pay um $65 the other day to fill up my 10 gallon hey, tank. Hey, me too. But I do have a, it's like a 13 or 14 gallon tank. Yeah, I so. only filled, I, I did 10 gallons and it was $65. <laughs> yeah, it gets to that point you're like, oh, time to shut that shit off. And no more. I simply cannot any longer. So hmm. we we are not living the lifestyle of the rich and famous is what we're not doing. No, absolutely not. Um, and uh, if any of you watched the Academy Awards yesterday, I'm not oh, sure God. that I want to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Nah, I'm good. I'm um, good. Uh, uh-uh. I'm good. That's all. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I do have to say, Chris Rock handled it like a champ, though. Like, he really did. Like, he. Uh... I mean, I'm just. I'm. I'm gonna put it out there that it is not my place to pass judgment because both parties were in the wrong. But violence does not answer uh, insults. But nor should you, even if it's in good fun, be insulting someone with a disease. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's not great whatever way you swing it yeah that's true you're not wrong you're not wrong yep so (sighs) i'm just i'm just keeping my little my little self out of that business and being like well i enjoyed watching the clip and i'm done (laughs) (laughs) and next please uh and moving on yep nope uh um i'll just enjoy my 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 now low middle class income wage and you know uh (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I got a raise this year. How much does that mean? Uh, um. uh, I, I, I'm I'm now officially like low middle class. I think um, officially. So, <laughs> and that's uh, honestly that's saying a lot. But no, um, hey, you know, wife and kids still have a roof over their heads, and they and they got fed tonight. It's all that matters. That's all we. Yeah, that's it. It's just it's all that matters. Bills are bills are getting paid. Family members are housed. I have a bed to sleep in at night, and that's pretty good. Yeah. And we're just gonna keep moving forward. You know. Well, would you like to move forward by moving in the past and having some good old fun with uh, some rich and famous people? I would like some rich and famous people. Are you are you going to be taking me into uh, into the past today? I, I am. sure would like the past. I, the past I find is so much more fun than modern day rich people. Yeah, <laughs> modern day rich people hit a little close to home. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and and Gilded Gang, get this. So we're going back to the Gilded Age, and we're talking about someone that Haley does not know from oh. the Gilded Age. This is remarkable. You sent me a name and asked me if I knew it, and I had no idea. I didn't know he was Gilded Age, my favorite era. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Ooh. And uh, there's actually going to be a callback to one of our earliest episodes. Oh, what? So, is it Stonehenge? But up, but up, but. No, it's not, not that early, okay? <laughs> not at the beginning. I still really like the Stonehenge episode, though. <laughs> That guy was nuts. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive right in. So uh, the setting is the Gilded Age, the highlight of uh, old money, family money, and uh, definitely a different lifestyle and time than uh, we're used to now. That's for sure. Honestly, yeah. like I would love to just just for five minutes, if time travel was ever a thing and there was no like unforeseen, unintended consequences to like the time space continuum, I would love for five minutes just to step into like 1920s New York. Or, or, That's not not 1920s. Age. Sorry, sorry. Like 18, 1870s. 1870s. Sorry, 1920s. <laughs> I mean, I would also like to step into 1920s New York, but that's not Gilded Age. There's a picture literally on my on my on like the page of like my topic and stuff, and it's like it, it shows a picture from like 19 like a 1920s flapper dress girl, which is not part of my topic, obviously. But I was like, oh yeah, 1920s. No, I meant 1870s. Yeah, like late mid to late 1870s. That'd be amazing. Just just for like five minutes. Um, but this it would be very good. But uh, but this individual actually, uh, our event tonight takes place kind of right at towards like the the the, the tra like, right towards the like he was born during the Gilded Age, like his money and all that stuff like inherited and came from his family during the Gilded Age. But this particular instance we're going to talk about with this individual um, takes place in 1905. So kind of right after the turn of the century. It's a nice little Edwardian. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our individual this evening is one James Hazen Hyde. I love it when we have a three-name individual. That means they're fancy. Absolutely. And you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be top class if, if, if it's a three-namer, for sure. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 23, and this is courtesy of nycpast.org, at the age of 23, Manhattan socialite and supreme partier of the Gilded Age, James Hazen Hyde inherited a fortune. He was given a majority control of the extremely profitable Equitable Assurance Society, a company founded by his father, Henry Baldwin Hyde, in 1859. Why does Henry Baldwin Hyde feel familiar? That that seems like a name that I should know. 
Yeah, I mean, because 1859, 1860s, yeah. Um, I didn't look up in too much, obviously. Most you of don't got to tell me yeah. anything. I just, that, I, I'm throwing it out there. That feels, that feels strangely familiar. Okay, continue. We got our boy. He's earned some money. And by earned, I mean given. Yeah, um, freely given, might I add. Yeah. In- inherited, freely given. Like, yep. probably thrown in his face. Like, here, have some money. It, it's all yours now, baby boy. Have some money. Um, Mr. Hyde. Uh, not to be confused with Mr. Jekyll and Hyde, uh, but Mr. Hazenhyde was the prototypical dandy of turn of the 20th century New York. God, I love dandies. Oh my God, yes. His yes. clothes were made in Paris, a city that he loved and visited frequently. Uh, I do have an initial intro picture if you would like to see Mr. Hazenhyde. I absolutely would. Wait, I'm sorry. I missed where this is taking place. Are we in Europe or are we in, we are in uh, America? We are in America, right? As America. of right now. We are in 20th, we are in turn of the century New York City. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I am going to. Nope, not that one. Where are you at? There we are. There he is. That wait, where is my my boy? <gasps> Look oh my at him God, this with the man. hip, the hip placement. He's got that um, hip saying, "Come get in, girl." Oh my God, this man is jaunty. Okay, so just to explain what I'm looking at, and all of these photos will be up on our Instagram uh, at outrageously unnecessary. Um, so this man, first of all, very handsome man. Uh, this is for sure. this is a man that, for sure, yeah. Um, but it's a portrait of him. He's leaning on like a stair railing and he's got his hand on his hip. He is like both casual and incredibly jaunty. He's wearing like the waistcoat, the jacket, the pocket square. He's got the, uh, the bow tie and he's looking at you like he knows he is hot shit. And he has a goatee, which I think is hysterical. I but know. he's got he's got like the dark and brooding like shadows under his eyes. Yeah, look Ooh, at that simmer man. sauce that he's given with his eyes. Oh my, he's given that smolder. Yeah, a smolder that is definitely he's, not he's, colder. He's definitely come hithering right now. Like he's he's looking at me with them eyes, and I if I saw him at a ballroom uh, and would I was you, you know would you go thither? Would you go thither? I would. I would thither in there. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> so Mr. Hyde was a prototypical dandy, as you can obviously see. Um, he was also enormously fond of horses and coaches. And uh, there's even actually a, uh, a newspaper article of uh, a race that he did with uh, one Mr. Alfred Vanderbilt, one of the Vanderbilt sons. Ooh, by okay. co- He raced uh, a horse and coach from Philadelphia all the way to New York City. That feels long. It does feel long. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I didn't. That's a fun race. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like just like, the, like the start of the race, you'd be like, all right, and like everybody's going like really hard, and um, you know, for the you know, the first like mile or so. Then after like you get out of town, you're like, all right, let's slow down and chill. And then like, you're like I'm good. I'm tired. It's. Uh... <laughs> um, so Mr. Hyde uh, attended Harvard. Uh, he summered on Long Island at the Oaks. His 400-acre estate. Okay, first of all, that's lovely. But second of all, I just... I want to be able to summer somewhere. Right? 
right? That just sounds nice. Oh, we summered in the Catskills this summer. Oh, did you? Oh, did, we went out to the countryside. We summered. Hmm, lovely. I like the the verb to summer. Yes, to summer. Um, so what? And while he was in town and not <clears throat> summering, uh, he lived at Nine East Fortieth Street in Manhattan. Uh, his offices were located at 120 Broadway in the Swanky, an expensive, equitable life building built by his father after the American Civil War, who erected it. <laughs> I, threw an inter- I threw in an erect <laughs> for $3 million. How much is $3 million today? That's that's a chunk of change. Uh, I want to say it's about probably 30 I want to say that's right. I don't know. I'm not looking at a calculator, nor do I wish to look at a calculator. But three million in in eighteen, like if he built it after the uh, Civil War, that's eighteen sixty like seven ish. Damn. Yeah. So probably thirty to thirty five million dollars worth today. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Fun fact. Okay, Daddy's got money. What fun fact? This uh, this building was the first New York building to have passenger elevators. Fun fact. That's really cool, actually. That is a fun fact. Yeah, Congrats. I know. That was a fun fact. That was actually fun. Yeah. Um, so Hyde was also a, a huge art lover, uh, and he would spend uh, his entire life uh, actually amassing a very spectacular uh, collection. Uh, ultimately, a lot of his collection um, was uh, given away after his death. He uh, it was he willed it to the excuse me Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art and mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Museum. And mm-hmm. let me find it. Um, here is a work of art that he donated. This is his father, or or no? Our this boy? this is our boy that he donated after his death. Our boy. Wow. So this is a. What the fuck? Okay, it's like a. This is a. Is it a music box? It is a table clock. It's a table clock. Okay, so just to explain what I'm looking at here, it's um, a like solid silver box on like these ornately carved legs, and then it has a scene like a relief uh, carved onto it of uh, there is a definitely a guy leading a lady with a child, maybe. I feel like it's an Adam and Eve situation, but I'm not entirely certain, but it is very shiny. Oh, and Steven just sent the top of it. Yeah. It is a clock. Okay, that's actually quite cool. That's It's a clock on the top. Yeah, it's literally something that you'd stick on your coffee table and look from the top down to be able to be like, mm, 7.30. Mm, yes. Uh, that's but, lovely. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, going back to like uh, his clothes uh, that, that I said that were mostly all made from Paris, uh, he was a self-present self-possessed he was possessed uh a self-professed francophile uh he was fluent i feel like most dandies absolutely are francophiles he was fluent in french mm-hmm. which makes 100 percent sense so getting to like the main meat um of this story tonight uh because he was such a self-professed uh, francophile he loved everything to do with french particularly king louis the 14th everything oh my man everything to do with king louis the 14th versus he is a hundred years too late for louis the 14th <gasps> i want to point that out 100 <laughs> percent, absolutely uh versailles of the 18th century france that is like his jam 100 percent. 
I'm surprised that the portrait you sent of me isn't him in 1700s, like, Versailles clothing. Because that feels like he would live his life cosplaying as though he were part of the French court. Wow. Oh, my God. So, moving on. He decided to throw an amazing party. The 400, which is New York's wealthiest families, including the Astors, the Vanderbilts, and one Mrs. Stuyvesant Fish. Ah, love Mamie Fish. But just to, hold on, just to like throw this little nugget in there, Mm -hmm. not including the Astors, set by the Astors. Yeah, the Astors. Yeah, Mrs. Astor was the one who ran the list of the 400. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, uh, so the the legend goes that she chose the 400 based on the fact that her ballroom could fit 400 people. And so I remember um, that. I remember you tell. Yeah, I remember this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So essentially, like, essentially, if you were not on that list, you were not nothing. You ain't shit in the eyes of society. Oh my gosh. Okay. And she was very against new money. Like, it took a lot for her to be able to accept the new money. I remember that 100%. Absolutely. Okay. So, yes. So, the 400 were invited uh, to Sherry's Restaurant at 44th Street and 5th Avenue on the evening. 10 30 p.m. was when it started. 10 30 p.m. That's a very late. I, I'm, I'm way. Into That's that. an. Inc- oh my god. I'm I'm gone, baby. Gone. But like, from what I remember, a lot of balls essentially didn't start until that late. Usually, oh. and you partied until the next morning, and a lot of the time you were served breakfast. I just looked at the date. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, it's not December thirty first. It's January thirty first. I was like December thirty first. Oh, it's a New Year's Eve party. Nope. It was not. It's just a regular party. It's just a regular party. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they have been instructed to arrive in aristocratic French costume from the 18th century. Incredible. The women wore lavish dresses, every detail of which was assiduously recorded in the society columns. The men came in hunt and court costumes, and many wore wigs or powdered their hair. love it absolutely adore it everybody get real real dandy about it let's get frilly yes um so uh at uh hyde's party um uh, the guests were greeted upon arrival the women were given time to adjust and compose themselves in dressing rooms before being escorted to the ballroom there their host james hyde awaited dressed in the costume of the new york coaching club with traditional bottle green coat with wide skirts and flaps, red waistcoat, and dark knee breeches. That's a lot of colors and and stuff going on. Why? We, what? I do we have do we have a painting of this? Let's see. Let me find it here. The visualization is what I'm struggling with because also why is he in a he's in a uniform of a New York something club? Uh, why? Co- he's in the, he's in the he's in the dress of a coachman. That's what it is. Why a coachman? That doesn't seem right for him. You'd think that he would full on Louis the Fourteenth, or maybe he holds Louis the Fourteenth in such high esteem that he could never be him. And here you go. Oh my God! Thank you. Okay, hold on. We got to we got an action shot. <laughs> right. Looking at this money shot. God, his goatee. I Mr. know. Hold on, my dog is just scrut. If everyone can just hear that jingle jangles, you haven't heard that in a long time. That's strudel. That's. Did you get it all out of your system? 
Thank you. Okay, so good God. So he's he's got the straight up like standard devil goatee where it is pointy and he has like the mustache that you can twirl. But he's in like all, yeah, he just looks like a coachman and everyone around him is like wearing the tricorn cap and he's like dashingly taking this woman's hand and bringing her, people that have big ass feathers in their hair, like, she is definitely coming thither, if you know what I mean. She is, she is coming thither for sure. <laughs> thither she and hither. She is thithering. Yeah. She is thithering. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as uh, he's inviting all these guests and they're you know, having a good time, um, he actually secured a really famous uh, flashlight photographer um, who was able to take you know, hundreds of photos of guests. And I do have several pictures of guests if you would like oh, to so it's see photo photos not just painting yes Yay! all right so i'm just going to be sending you photos to look through turtle i swear to god it's allergy season apparently <gasps> wow okay we got the good black and whites this lady has a bear on her head what is she wearing this guy is boring as hell. He's just wearing like your standard like breeches with the long socks and a like coat. He's like a modern. Mm. It's like when you look at the Met Gala and somebody just wears a suit and they absolutely did not fit the theme in the least. But uh, this lady is holding like a spear yeah. and has a massive bear on her head. It's just a big fuzzy helmet. It's almost like the Buckingham Palace hats but like wider and then oh there it is oh mr second guy second guy has officially won my heart he's got the curled white powdered wig the tricorn with feathers held underneath his armpit he's got the cane he's got the boots with the buckles he's he's a fancy ass is what he is and that Wow. Oh my God. I love all of these. These gardens are so cool. Wow. Oh my God. There's a group photo of a bunch of guys. They look so boring. Right? Holy shit. They look so boring. One guy looks like Abe Lincoln. He's the only one not wearing a white powdered wig. Buddy, you shouldn't have been in that group photo. You did not get the memo. That's like one of the first photo bombs. And he didn't even the, do it properly. Yeah, he's, he's just, he's just sitting there like an asshole just being like oh is this not just a standard portrait and it's like you didn't sign up for this being a costume party sir uh, oh is this is the last photo is that our guy that's him is that i mean it's the it's the goatee that's unmistakable yep that's that's him in the flesh and he's just kind of staring nicely with his hands behind his back at this incredibly fancy woman who's holding a sword Wow, she is posing on a sword. She's leaning on that. Mm-hmm. On a sword. Oh, on a sword. So, uh, the entire ballroom uh, ballroom was decorated with lattice work, green vines, and, and roses, and guests were treated to 18th century dancing with a balcony set aside for those who did not care to don fancy costumes. I think the people who did not want to don fancy costumes should not have been invited. Right! And I think that they're boring. Uh, so next, a ballet was performed by dancers of the Metropolitan Opera House. Fancy. And at the after the dance, guests descended to the second floor of the restaurant where the gardens of Trianon had been recreated. I've 
been to the gardens of Trianon. They're gorgeous. Yes, so they were completely recreated detail for detail per Hyde's instruction. That's really cool, actually. But also the fact that this is happening at a restaurant on... I'm sorry, did you say that this was on the second floor? Yes. Of a building? Yes. Where... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, it's banana! I just thought about that. It's like, okay, do you remember... When I talked about the guy who, I can't remember his name now, but he had the horseback dinner and converted the fifth floor of it a was restaurant here. also. It was here. Yes. Sherry's. Yeah. It was at Sherry's. Why do they do this so often? I don't they're know. Just like, yeah, you can bring the outdoors indoors. And why is it what? Sherry's? <laughs> why is it Sherry's? Like, I want to I know, does that owner of the restaurant, was he making bank secretly behind the doors? <laughs> had to, had not to even be. Secretly, not even secretly. This man was just making bank because he was like, yeah, fuck it. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Had to be. Had to be. Um, I mean, at first it was probably some secret handshakes in the dark, but, that, uh, you know, now it's like, fuck it. Come on. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. I love that they've recreated gardens on the second floor on the inside <laughs> of a building. I Incredible. I knew you would yes. love this. I knew you would love this. Because uh, <laughs> I saw the photo that you sent of gardens. I did not realize that was indoors. Yeah. Yes. This woman is definitely sitting on like a bench and there is grass around her and there is a full freaking like shrubbed up garden with topiaries in the back behind her and there is a guy pruning plants behind her so this entire second floor in that picture that you're seeing it's all sodded with real grass incredible excuse me statuary shrubs potted trees were arranged uh, wisteria vines more lattice work arbors how did you find this steven how have i not found this that is bananas to me as well like how how, you How did not... you find this? How did you what? What? My secrets are my own. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Fuck you. <laughs> fine, keep your secrets. <laughs> um, so there were various orchestras stationed throughout the restaurant, and they all took turns serenading the guests as they dined. Have we ever thought about how large this restaurant is? How big? How how bit how it, that you can have multiple orchestras that they're not fighting with each other, and that you. Can... That 400 some odd people can be invited and there's still room for a, a photo of a lady by herself in vast gardens. Let's see. I'm looking. How big is this place? Um, doo -doo -doo. I'm looking on Wikipedia on Sherry's and it doesn't really say. I mean, obviously they had multiple floors, so that's pretty bananas. But like, damn, son, I got I want to go to this party. Right. Um. They also had engraved parchment menus announced a dinner fit for a king and queen, which read, Consumé Voltaire, façon pique Louis uh, the 15th. And of course, bonbons and Paul Roger. Uh, the, oh, you gotta get your bonbons. Uh, the menu, would you like to know what the menu consists of? Of course I want to know what the menu is. <laughs> All right, so it consisted of Consommé au Voltaire, escalope de Omar la Région, faisant pique Louis the Fifteenth, salade Madame de Pompadour, yambon à la gelée princesse, glace à la reine, petit four bonbon, fruits, café, 
Paul Roger 89, which might have been like a sherry or a brandy or something. I love that literally everything. Everything's in French. in French. It's French food. It's 100% French food. Ooh. Uh, the print was designed uh, and its medium was etched in red ink on cream inlaid paper. Damn. Ooh, there's a picture of it. Do you want to see the picture of it, Harley? Of course I want... It, th that's not even a question. Of course I want to see the picture of it. Oh, my goodness. Um, good night. It's pretty, too. Uh, I, I, someone who is trying to figure out wedding invitations Look right at now, it. It's, holy <gasps> shit. Man, that is intricate. gorgeous. This is like a straight... That's not a menu. That's not a menu. That's not a menu. This is literally the most beautifully drawn it says like, menu on the menu it does say menu on it <laughs> who did they who spent 45 hours drawing this because it is like a gilded fancy fucking frame that you would expect to see like literally framing the most priceless work of art in the world in versailles like many halls and it's got like a cherub at the top and like some frilly frills and some swoop de doos and what the flying French fuck? Who is what? Uh, so the the individual who designed it um, was actually uh, an architectural engineer named Whitney Warren Jr. Whitney Warren Jr. Damn, Whitney Warren Jr. You freaking you did it. Rock. You did it, bud. Yeah, rock. Um, so. Uh, along with all uh, the, the the meals, the music, the guests dressed in their breeches and coats and powdered hair, um, this whole entire endeavor. Guess how much it cost? Oh, and I, I do need Too I do much. I do need to add that there was actually six hundred guests at this. Six hundred. So it was the four hundred plus two hundred plebes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um. And also, Haley, they enjoyed not one dinner, not two dinners, three full dinners. That's so many. That's. But I suppose if you're like, if you are, if you are dancing the night away, one can just assume that you are burning calories, you know? Absolutely. Um there was, so there was an article uh, in the Metropolitan Magazine, and there was a quote by J.C. Cartwright, uh, one of the uh, article editors. Hyde is a bachelor, a man of a large independent fortune. His taste and his fortune combined resulted in the most carefully planned, the most successfully managed, and the most novel ball given in the memory of living New Yorkers. End quote. What a very good accent you just put on. I was transported. <laughs> I, I was visualizing, like, as he was, like, you know, writing it out with his quill on his paper yeah. and making some notes. Anyways, stupid. I mean, um, I just finished watching Bridgerton season two, and that would have fit right in there, bud. That was. <laughs> so I've got a, another picture of Mr. Hyde. Would you like to see? Obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. So this is just as kind of kind of an end cap uh, before we get into the scandal of There's James Heisen. There's a scandal? Yes. This is not the end of this? Steven, you spoil me today. There he is. I like the portrait of him better. I know. I do too. I'm less impressed by this one. Yeah. 
He's staring in two different directions. But I mean, like, I can't fault somebody for having a lazy eye, but also... Wow, his widow's peak is insane. There's that really pointy beard, though. Such a pointy beard. My goodness. Okay, continue. <laughs> uh, so, soon after, the very guest who had gorged the food he supplied at his fancy dress turned on him. His friends in high places accused him of ruinous waste and malfeasance, including paying for the $200,000 Versailles party. So 200000 in 1905 is a little over 2 or $3 million today. That's a shitload of money. Wait, why are people turning on him if they are happily enjoying this party? They, are a, they went there to enjoy it. You don't get to smack down somebody wasting their money. So, yeah, I know. I know, but they did. So they all turned on him. And um, uh, a variety... Because they felt too fat after dinner? Probably. Oh, bitches. Um... But these powerful New Yorkers who held the reins of financial power, they created a scandal, the likes of which New Yorkers always seem to enjoy. Um, the uh, the equitable, uh, uh, equitable Assurance Society, uh, the board, uh, who was also in, in attendance there, they accused him of using funds dedicated to the company to pay oh, no. for the $200,000 Versailles party. It's not his money. It's company money. Yep. The scandal was actually in effect orchestrated by Hyde's enemies. Hyde, according to the terms of his father's will, was to become president of the company in 1906. So the board members orchestrated this scandal and attempts attempts to run him out of town. Um, Another quote um, by William J. Graham from the World Today, July 1908-714, I'm not sure what that reference is. And the fact that this ball so thoroughly started it attests that young Hyde was not lacking in the family genius, even though he chose to misapply it. The broadcast advertisement of this garish festival was blatantly vulgarized by the press. End quote. So everyone's just turning their back on our poor bastard. Absolutely. No. Um, so what did he do? <laughs> he left town in December of 1905. Fun. Great. Wow. He literally <laughs> waited a good 12 months though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, wow. He ended up settling where you ask in Paris, of course. Yeah. That doesn't shock me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of his life, not a whole lot. Uh, he married a few times, um, you know, had a couple kids, um, and <laughs> a few times. Uh, he, of course, continued to acquire art and things over his life. And um, actually, the latter part of his life before he passed, he ended up like donating some money to like a lot of really good causes. And of course, at the end of his life, uh, he ended up willing most of his money and his art and stuff into uh, the museums and like different kind of charitable funds. So I don't hate this man. I, I don't, don't either. I, don't, I feel bad that he got run out of town, but I'm glad that he was able to move to Paris, which was, you know, his dream. Uh, that was that was the place that he always wanted to be. So I feel like it all worked out in the end. Absolutely. I mean, scummy if he did, in fact, steal that money. But I don't think he did. I think that was just a coup being thrown by the board. Uh, that's what uh, I did find a whole lot of like after the fact, um, as far as like, you know, details of like the board was actually implicated or anything like that. But most of the press seem to think and agree that it was the board 
who orchestrated the whole scandal to try to and get him. And he still got run out of town. Yeah, he still left. The press were like, guys, he's fine. Yeah, he still left. Still left. Wow. He's like, y'all turned your backs on me. Fuck you. So so there you have it. A, a $3 million party, and he gets to live in Paris. So who really I, won? Who really won? Me. I won. I won because I got to hear this. That made me so happy. You're welcome, dude. You're absolutely welcome. And uh, Gilded Gang, you're welcome as well. Oh, my God. So good. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to do a jump change? Da 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 jump change. <laughs> okay, so I heard this one on the radio the other day, um, and I thought that it would be perfect for a jump change. This is just going to be a quick little day. You know how uh, a few months ago Tom Brady was like, "I'm finally retiring from the NFL." Yes. We were yeah. like, finally, Jesus. And we were like, that you deserve it, sir. Please go sit down for yeah. like forever. Just, <laughs> just take go a, sit. Just take a, a nap on the couch. That's all you, you gotta do. Take a, a Sunday nap, nap on the couch. <laughs> yep. So uh for what was considered his his very last touchdown football, like it has <gasps> it has gone through all yes. of <laughs> It has gone through all of the paperwork. It is verified that this is Tom Brady's, like, the last touchdown he made. It's his final career touchdown football. Uh, goes on auction. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know what the auction was for, like, what <laughs> cause it was for or anything like that. Yeah. But it was sold at auction for Five hundred eighteen thousand six hundred twenty-eight dollars. Just a little bit of ch- ch- chump change. Chump change. But what makes this infinitely worse is if any of our Gilded Gang listeners know, Tom Brady immediately came out of retirement. Shocker! To say that he would go back. Shocker! To Holy yeah! I know that so guy. This football is no longer. It's his final career touchdown football, and this poor schmuck just paid five hundred thousand dollars for it. And so, for a ball, he was like, "Can anything be done about this? Because I've been, you know, led astray." And Tom Brady pulled the grossest thing ever and went on Twitter and like tagged the auction company and was like, "Oh, he deserves, he deserves like." Uh, at least a little something something for his troubles. I'll give him half a Bitcoin. <laughs> Which is like, okay, a Bitcoin is worth $40,000 right now. That's not $500,000. And also, Tom Brady's just trying to put cryptocurrency out into the universe because he's been advertising for Bitcoin a lot recently. Yep. And, um... I don't know what the final uh, thought was, but I'm pretty sure that they, uh, I'm pretty sure that they ended up, uh, like he got, the the guy got more than just a Bitcoin out of it, but good Lord. (laughs) So anyways, that's my chump change. I thought that was uh, both hysterical and just like exasperating. (laughs) Oh, I know. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, good night. 
Yeah. Can you imagine spending $500,000 on a football? I can't imagine spending $5 on a football right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's honestly fair. Honestly, they probably don't even cost $5, so we couldn't if we wanted to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay, real quick. So, Bitcoin. So, when did Bitcoin... Okay, I'm kind of going slightly on top. When did Bitcoin enter the scene? Like, seven years ago? Ten years ago? I would say, like... I really, um, without looking it up, I want to say it was like 2010-ish. Maybe it like was started a little bit before then, but it started like picking up steam. So you want to hear something really sad about about Bitcoin? Well, well let me go back, oh, before you uh, hold that thought. So if mm-hmm. you, so, to purchase one Bitcoin is forty thousand dollars right now. Yeah, you can purchase a percentage of it. Like, can you imagine a person who bought like, like when it first came around, like two hundred Bitcoin? Do you wanna Do you wanna hear the sad thing that I was gonna say? Sure. So, um, before that there were, like, e-traders or, uh, like, places that manage it for you, Bitcoins were something that you could physically store on a computer. Uh, or, like, physically, I mean, like, digitally. Oh, Haley, please. Oh, no. My fiancé, Garrett, did buy 10 Bitcoin in, like, 2012. And they are on a computer somewhere. We don't know where. <laughs> That's lost forever. Are you sure it's lost? There's not a way to recover it? Oh, yeah. No, that is that is gone forever. So, that so okay. So, 10 Bitcoin at 40000 a piece. That's... I could have enough for a house right now. Yeah. $400,000. Boom. House. Yeah. Done. Yep. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yep. I just think of this. Yeah, no, that's just on an external hard drive, just like lost somewhere in San Francisco. How much did they buy them for back in 2012? I have no idea, mm. but like not very much. No, that's crazy. Uh, anyways, sorry to get off topic. I was just curious because, I mean, yeah, because I keep hearing about stuff about it all the time. Don't even get involved, but do nope. not. Just nope. Do, mm, uh, nope. Nope. My money's elsewhere. So. Yeah. Then also, don't get involved in NFTs, guys. Yeah. Um, again, 100%. we talk about rich people. Like we talk about rich people. It's not like we expect any of us or our listeners to uh, be the rich people that we talk about. Could be. I, I mean, if know. you are, cool. But if you are, please stay out of NFTs. They are a money laundering scam. Yep. Hundred percent. Stay out of there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Um, did didn't like the Federal Trade Commission get involved with like an NFT company or something another here a while back? I don't know, and I don't care. I do Excuse have me. fun reading things when people get screwed over by NFTs, oh, yeah. and I just I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. But anyways, moving on. Would you like to hear my story, my yes. friend? Yes, Haley, it is your turn. Let, let's get into it. Okay, so, um. Let's preface this by saying that I started listening to a podcast that just came out recently. It's called Big Brother. Uh, It's not about uh, 1984. Uh, It is actually about the would-be heir to North Korea's empire. Oh, Uh, okay. So, uh, the older brother of Kim Jong-un. And uh, I know what you're probably thinking, unless you're a lot smarter and more, like, world-knowledgeable than me. Uh, which is Kim Jong-un has an older brother because I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know uh, either. Yeah, it's <laughs> we're going to put an emphasis on had. Uh, had an older brother. Jesus. Uh, 
<laughs> but way to, it's, way it's, to exactly what you think, it's exactly what you think it is. And we will get into that later. Um, but anyways, this older brother was named Kim Jong-nam. And uh, for about 13 years, he's 13 years older than Kim Jong-un. Uh, and so for those 13 years, when he was the only child, he was the golden child. And then Kim Jong-un was born and everything kind of went to pieces. Uh, kind of. It's a lot more complicated than that. So uh, moving forward into this, I'm going to go ahead and say a lot of my information. And by a lot, I mean all of my information for this particular episode came from the podcast Big Brother. And I highly recommend that everybody goes and listens to it because it is significantly more detailed than I could ever hope to be. It was more that I just thought this was so damn interesting that I had to share. Um, but uh, there's a lot of political... The, the podcast Big Brother covers what I'm going to cover today, but there's so much more about like all the crazy like politics and the political intrigue and the everything. It's really interesting. Interesting. Okay, uh, cool. And there is a lot of political intrigue, my God. Oh, I bet. Um, so much. Uh, but in any case, so what I will be talking about today is actually Kim Jong-nam's childhood and just how weird it was. He had a weird damn childhood. Um, so like I said, almost all of this comes from the Big Brother podcast, I think episode uh, two. Yeah, we'll just put that down in the universe and hope I'm right. So anyways, to first <sighs> understand Kim Jong-nam, let's talk about his parents. Uh, his father is Kim Jong-il, who was born in 1941 in Russia, uh, which did you know that Kim Jong-il, the supreme leader of Korea before Kim Jong-un was born in Russia? Because I, I did not know. But I, I, yeah. I know very little about their families. Yeah. So um, he was born in Russia. And uh, then eventually it was his father. So this is Kim Jong-un, the current leader's um grandfather uh was the one who essentially was brought in by the government when when kind of the like not coup but like all of the political um changes were being made and so he was brought in as a figurehead and then he kind of stayed as a figurehead so um that wasn't the original plan by the way uh naturally but anyway so kim jong il uh helped his father, the very first supreme leader of North Korea, create uh, the supreme leader's image through propaganda. Because Kim Jong-il really, really loved film. And he loved movies and the artistry of it. And he was a little artsy soul. And uh, he knew that the the way to like get on top would be to cement his father's position as the supreme leader of North Korea. Mm. Um and so essentially he put that love to work, creating an insane amount of propaganda that was really effective. Um, and then uh, essentially once his family was solidly in power, Kim Jong-il developed wealthy person audacity. Um, they weren't like super wealthy before this. They like he... I don't even know how know how to begin to explain that. Like the wealthy person audacity only arrived once, like they became leaders. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> like it was only once they came to power. They they didn't have the ability to have audacity before. It's it's, it's a learned trait. <laughs> it's a learned trait for sure. Um, 
And what I mean by he developed wealthy person audacity was he had the audacity to he he found a Korean film star, a South Korean film star, mind you. Uh, her name was uh, Song Hee Rim. Uh, she was like the starlet of South Korean movies and uh, essentially uh, Kim Jong-il being the film buff that he was, was just like, it was like meeting Marilyn Monroe. He was starstruck, met her. And uh, he was like, hi, you need to be mine forever, please. I want to be with you forever. And never mind the fact that she was already married and had two children. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, so he uh, forced them to get a divorce. No, he didn't. He sent the ex, the now ex-husband pack and do a work camp somewhere. I don't know where, but he got, the husband got sent away. I have no idea what happened to the children. Not a goddamn clue. Oh my God, what a monster. And then he, yeah, and then he essentially spirited away Song Hee Rim to um, a palace that was called Residence Number 15 in Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea. Um, and then he had a child with her in secret. So uh, this child, as you can probably assume, was Kim Jong-nam. Uh, but uh, essentially... Uh, the reason why the kid was secret is because he was not married to Song Hee Rim. Oh, <laughs> she. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. The uh, so his father, the supreme leader, was like super. Uh, he had a lot of like really strict conservative values, where it's like no extramarital affairs. You cannot uh, like do anything that would put the the standing of the family in jeopardy, etc. Like. Um, and it was because of this that uh, Kim Jong-il told absolutely no member of the public about uh, his uh, concubine feels like the wrong word here. Yeah. What, mistress. 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 Um, about his mistress or his kid until he ascended to power in 1994. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> He's like, surprise. Surprise. He had this kid in 1971. Um, so uh, the Supreme the supreme Leader did not find out about Kim Jong-nam, the child's existence. And I know that this can be a little bit confusing with everyone's name, starting with Kim Jong. I'm trying, like, let me know if you get confused and I'll try to no, backtrack I'm, for you. I'm following. Okay, good. Uh, but anyways, the Supreme Leader did not find out about Kim Jong-nam's existence until he was four years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but as it turns out, um, once once Kim Jong-nam was, like, found out about, the Supreme Leader was angry, but he saw this little boy, and this little boy was his very first grandson, and he was like... Okay, I love this kid. Okay. <laughs> this is a good kid. We still can't tell anybody about him, but I like this one. And so, like, uh, it was essentially from that moment onward that um, once once Kim Jong-un was known about by the Supreme Leader, not known about by the public and very, very few, like, government officials, uh, but he... Uh, essentially, Kim Jong-il, that was the point at which he was like, okay, now I can start treating 
my child and my mistress and my mistress's family the way that I want to treat them, which is like just absolutely lavish them and spoil them and give them an insane amount of of like love and affection and gold bars. And gold bars. <laughs> and gold bars. The gold bars are especially important. So anyways, Kim Jong-nam uh, was born in secret on May 10th, 1971. He was a very, very spoiled baby. Um, Kim Jong-il absolutely adored his son. Like, adored his son. And this is apparently something that is very common in um, Korea for, like, familial bonds, etc. cetera, uh, which is sleeping in the same bed as your child through their childhood. Kim Jong-il did this until Kim Jong-nam turned eight. They slept in the same bed for eight years. That's how much he, like, loved him. And, mm. um, but, like, as interesting as that is, that's not Rich Pearson crazy. So, um, essentially, uh, what I want to talk about is that spoiling like really began when Kim Jong-nam was a toddler once grandpa learned of his existence. And while the country, the rest of the country is not getting any luxuries, they're not getting any information or imports from the outside world. Um, I mean, the rest of the country doesn't even know about Kim Jong-nam's existence and yet they're funding it. Uh, this toddler got anything that he asked for. Uh, Legos were imported from other countries. Those didn't exist in North Korea. Tropical fruits like mangoes were imported for him to eat. Uh, they specifically bought uh, like custom clothes from the UK to be delivered to dress him. So he was dressed like a little fancy English country boy. Yeah, he was. What the shit? Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my god. And but so even though I, I've explained that uh, he's getting really, really spoiled. What you need, what I haven't told you yet, is that Kim Jong Nam and his mother Song Hee Rim and all of her family, like all of her extended family, literally are not allowed to leave residence fifteen. They are prisoners. They are on house arrest. Jeez. It's a really nice house arrest, but they are on house arrest. Um. So Kim Jong Nam was not allowed to leave the palace that he was being raised in. He could not see the outside world. He did not have any friends his own age. And a very, very uh, select few group of people knew of his existence, most of those being his mother's family. Um, but as well as his mother's family, uh, there was 100 servants, 500 bodyguards... And eight chefs who all resided at uh, residence number 15. Holy shit. Yeah. I love the 500 500, yes. Yes. 500 bodyguards. <laughs> you saw the movie about 300. But now get ready. For get ready for. The 500. <laughs> but, um... So essentially because he's trapped here, his father spent... Kim Jong-il spent as much money as humanly possible to bring the outside world to him. Mm. So uh, he had a private zoo built at the palace. Is not a petting zoo. I mean a zoo. The zoo uh, had a bear. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Kim Jong, little Kim Jong-nam could ride the bear, but like I, I have like a, a vision so. in my mind in the hopes that he can. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, 
Kim Jong Nam showed uh, an interest in uh, cars at some point, so they got him a little golf cart to ride around in. Hell yeah! <laughs> so he's just rip tearing across the grounds and like through the palace hallways in a golf cart. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, and then uh, there's a rumor that Kim Jong Il hired a group of bureaucrats to travel the globe and buy Kim Jong Nam exotic birthday presents every year. <laughs> oh my god! So, um. So what he would do is, like, the bureaucrats would bring back stuff like diamond watches. Because every eight-year-old needs a diamond sure. watch, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I don't know if he got that for his eighth birthday. But what I do know is that on his eighth birthday, Kim Jong-nam was given a little baby military uniform. And he was gifted the rank of marshal. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. And then he was called Little Little Comrade General by all of the servants after that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Please tell me you have a picture yeah, of him. Can you imagine this tiny chubby boy being being the Little Comrade General little and just general. walking around, but also knowing that he has like actual absolute authority over you and everything that you do? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, and then. We talked about the fact that he wasn't allowed to have any friends his own age. At some point, his family members did convince Kim Jong-il to let him have a friend. And so he actually, um, I think when he was about eight, his like 12 or 13-year-old uh, girl cousin, whose name I now don't remember because I didn't write it down, um, she came to live at Residence 15 and she became his best friend. And they were just like the ragtag team. Like she was, she was essentially like made for his entertainment and like they were close friends and they sometimes were able to like get the get the palace drivers to drive them outside of the walls and drive them around Pyongyang and um like they weren't allowed to leave the car but they could actually like you know look out the windows and stuff right mm-hmm wow. and so they were just yeah they were just little bestest buddies up until um and, and one thing that I need to mention, but I couldn't figure out like where to stick it into the story, was that uh, throughout all of this, about when uh, Kim Jong Nam turns eight, is when things kind of start falling apart for him, because um, essentially uh, Kim Jong Il has completely fallen out of love with uh, Song Hee Rim and uh, has decided that she's insane, and then uh, sent her to uh, an insane asylum in Russia for the rest of her life. What? And so, yeah. So, uh, was she insane or did he just want to get rid of her? He just wanted to get rid of her. Like, she had depression and stuff, but like, she didn't yeah. deserve to be in an insane asylum for the rest of her life. And like, she tried doing like multiple appeals, trying to be allowed to like get, but nope, she stayed in there for the rest of her life. And like, he essentially took this poor little boy's mom away from him, and he doesn't have he doesn't have the the people to be able to lean on and at the same time kim jong-il is starting to fall for another lady which is kim jong-un's mother and he um starts coming and visiting residence 15 less and less and he uh doesn't sleep in the same bed as kim jong-nam anymore and so like kim jong-nam is completely dependent on his his cousin being his best friend and his aunt and grandma being his only teachers and it eventually gets to the point that when he turns 13 uh his aunt and grandma 
convince Kim Jong-il that he has to be able to see the outside world. So their solution is to send him to a private school in Switzerland. Mm. Okay, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes to a private school in Switzerland until he turns 18. And then, and then there's a lot of stuff that happens after that. And he's kind of like a weird womanizer. And he doesn't understand the fact that he's supposed to be keeping his identity secret. And so, like, his he has a fake passport and everything saying that he's from South Korea. And he tells everyone that he's from North Korea. And, like, he's just fucking up all over the place. Oh, but, like, no. his dad still loves him. Um, but essentially his dad ends up falling more like you gotta listen to the podcast because it just keeps getting wilder and wilder what uh kim jong-un's mother the the new woman in kim jong-il's life is is willing to do to make sure that her kids come out on top instead of kim jong-nam oh i believe it i believe it yeah so i would say that probably kim jong-nam's childhood was like the most is probably the happiest and also the most insane rich person childhood I've ever heard of, like being in a little gilded cage. And I just sent you a photo of him as an adult. And um, if you listen to Big Brother, you will hear about why he's not around anymore and unfold the mystery to that, which is essentially he was assassinated in an airport. So I wonder by who. Uh, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. But anyway, so he just had like a really crazy childhood that I wish there there was more information about. That's bananas, but that's amazing and super sad and tragic and heartbreaking, but amazing. Uh, It was so interesting. Yeah. You see what I said about more modern ones being bummers. They kind of like hit too close to home. Yeah. Cause there's like, there's like that. Even though they're so far removed, like from a wealth standpoint, like they're still human beings and there's still that human aspect that just certain things just get you. And just like it's the it's uh, the human aspect, I think, of him as a little kid. And then also the tragedy that his poor mom went through. Like 100 percent. That poor lady did not deserve that. She was just pretty and an actress and 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 God, just the worst (sighs) shit happened to her because of rich people audacity. It's the audacity and the unmeasured get it go. Audacity of it all. So, well, thanks, Haley. Yeah, thank you. Not nearly as fun as yours. So, if everyone, if the Gilded Gang tapped out at yours, I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Uh, but it's okay, Gilded Gang. I understand, and I still love you. But go listen to Big Brother. Um, but yeah. So, sorry that our episode was so late, guys. We're going to try harder for April, but I am glad that we're able to get this out uh, in the last uh, couple of days of March. So, (laughs) we're doing it. We're killing it, guys. We're killing it. Thanks, guys, for listening, as always. We love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.